I said I wanted to have a word of prayer, uh, and so I'm going to do that with regard to our Puerto Rico team. These are, these are significant events for Coastal. We are committed to uh, reaching outside of our four walls, and sometimes it's very easy to get kind of inward focused. So uh, we're, we try to be very intentional about making sure we're going to other places. This is the first team. We sent a, a smaller team last year to do some work in Puerto Rico, and uh, it was kind of a survey trip besides. And uh, so uh, this year is our first trip to Puerto Rico. And listen, I want you to think about it for next year, because as far as mission trips go, this one is relatively inexpensive. Uh, it doesn't cost near as much to fly to Puerto Rico as it does to Bolivia, uh, simply put. Uh, so I would love for everybody at our campus to be involved in a missions trip, all right? It's so incredibly valuable to your development as a Christian. It puts us out of our environment, and it, it forces us to depend on God in a way that sometimes uh, we don't have to do when we live here in the state. So let me have a word of prayer uh, as it regards that team, and then we'll get underway. Father, we are thankful for the hope that we have in Christ. We would be hopeless and helpless, you told us in the book of Ephesians, if it were not for the fact that Jesus had come and cared for our need uh, and made it possible for us to be rightly related to you. So Lord, I thank you for that, and I'm grateful. And as we now go and take that message uh, to people in another place, uh, Lord, it, so often it almost feels like Puerto Rico is in another country, though it is not. It's part of our nation, part of uh, these United States, and we're grateful for the opportunity to serve in, that, uh, in Puerto Rico. And I pray that you would bless the team as they go. Uh, Lord, there are a lot of us going to be there, and uh, I pray that you would grant us unity amongst ourselves, that there would be a great uh, sense of your spirit drawing us together, uh, keeping us focused on our uh, efforts that are there. I pray for those especially who will be uh, particularly involved in the Bible school, the Vacation Bible School, that there would be children during that week, next week, that will come to faith in Jesus. Uh, and I pray that the uh, home that we're working on, that that family will be profoundly impacted by our presence there. I thank you for the churches that we're going to be participating with, that we're not just doing this in a vacuum, but we're going and participating with specific local churches who will be able to be there in the long term and, and uh, stay connected with these folks that we will be ministering to. So I pray that we be an encouragement to those churches as well. Bless uh, the travels, bless the team, bless your name, Lord. I pray that you would be exalted and lifted up on that trip, for I pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Well, I wonder if you have ever signed on for uh, something. Maybe it was something as big as you took a job, or maybe you volunteered to do something, or perhaps you went and purchased something, and by the time you got back home after the first few days of this investment of your time or money, you thought to yourself, that was not what I thought that was going to be. Uh, uh, I, I presume by the chuckles that most of us have had that experience. Well, what's interesting to me is 
uh, and, and I hope you won't take this wrong, we're going to be having a push for more volunteers here, okay? I, it would be my greatest joy and desire if everybody who's part of this campus would be signed up to do something. We have something everybody can do. One of the advantages of being a smaller campus is we've got lots of opportunities to serve and nobody has to sit. And uh, so come September... We're going to start, and you're going to start seeing a push about this. We're going to have several weeks in a row where we're going to be talking about the importance of volunteering. We want you to serve. We want you to get engaged. What I don't want to do in that process is give you the impression that if you come and serve Jesus at Coastal, it's always amazing. You'll leave every Sunday on a spiritual high because you got to serve Jesus. Listen... I preach most every Sunday, and I don't always leave on a spiritual high, okay? Just being honest. There, sometimes, as Paul is just continuing his honesty with these guys, sometimes ministry is just ministry. It's, it's, it's what we do as we serve the Lord. Sometimes we, we look for this incredible experience, this incredible opportunity, and we, we want people to, to think, man, this is just going to be amazing. And i got to tell you, I would not rather be doing anything else in life than what I'm doing. I love it. I get an almost inestimable joy in serving Christ. I'm so grateful I get to do it and get a paycheck to do it so that I can spend a lot of time invested in serving the Lord. I know friends who they're doing their best. They're serving the Lord here at Coastal. They're serving the Lord where they work. Uh, They're being faithful Christians and seeking to honor Christ. But I know some who would really love to be able to invest more direct time in serving through their local church. But let's not forget that ministry isn't always incredibly exciting. Sometimes it's, it's just ministry. It's giving of ourselves for other people. Paul is going to continue his, his honest, heartfelt tone here as he reminds the Corinthians that ministry is all about grace. Okay, let me... Oh, look at that. Just as I was about to say, turn them off. Uh, there we are. So... First thing in your notes, ministry is by grace. I think hopefully you'll remember just back in uh, a little while back in chapter four, we talked about the fact that we have this ministry by the mercy of God. God has been kind enough, gracious enough, merciful enough to us that he's willing to allow us to serve him. He's allowing us to be ministers. And I want to remind you, I know, I know you're all aware, but just so we're all upfront about this, in the New Testament, there is very little, if any, distinction between professionals in ministry and lay people in ministry. There were distinctions in leadership roles in the church, but there were very few people who made their living from doing ministry. So most of the people Paul is talking to here are people like the average person that comes to a church. They're serving Christ. They're looking for opportunities to to serve. They're giving of their lives. So he starts with this in verse 1 of chapter 6. Working together 
with him then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. I don't want you to miss that first phrase, working together with him. With who? With God. Have you thought about that recently? When you are serving the Lord, when you are at your work, looking to build into relationships and looking for opportunities to share the gospel with your friends, you're working together with God when you do that. When you show up at church and you hand out bulletins and you greet people and you're a friendly face as perhaps a visitor comes in wondering what in the world are these people like, you're, you're working with God. When you're, when you're on the stage or when you're in a classroom or when you're with your small group, we're working together with God. He has just finished in chapter 5 talking about the fact that Jesus took our place. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in Christ we might be made the righteousness of God. That's an unbelievable and incredible thing. But let's not ever make the mistake of thinking that because of that, because salvation is something, a transaction that happens between me and God, that it's only personal. Christianity is not just personal, it's corporate. It's about being part of a body of believers. It's, it is personal in our salvation, but it's corporate in the fact that we proclaim and we serve together to let this incredible truth go out. So now... Their, their standing is righteous, but he wants them to recognize they have the honor of working with God. We talked about that back in chapter 5 and verse 20. God has made us ambassadors, people who carry his message, right? It's unbelievable. We are working together with God. So ministry is by grace. It's by grace that, that we get to serve. We get, to, we get to work with God. We serve alongside of him. It is by grace that we believe. Oh, wait, i got to back up, because there are a couple of benefits to serving, recognizing that when we serve, we serve alongside God. Three, three specific ones I can think of. One is our confidence in serving. Have you felt, and we, we talked about this recently too, we're, we're clay pots, right? We're, have you ever felt like, man, I just don't think I've got what it takes? Well, good, because you don't. <laughs> uh, I don't have what it takes to be a pastor effectively. I need the grace of God. Serving, knowing that I'm working with God gives me confidence in what I'm doing to serve him. It also affects my attitude when things are difficult. When when I feel like everybody else is on vacation and I'm not and I'm still in the nursery with the kiddos or I'm still back in children's ministry or I'm still outside in the, in the heat trying to park cars, I'm, I'm, there, there is just always this sense of, but I'm working with God here and there is something that that does to my attitude even when things are difficult. And it affects my desire to work with all of my heart. If this is just something I'm doing, if it's just I'm filling time, they needed somebody, okay, I'll plug in over here, that'll be good. Knowing that I'm working with God in what I do has something, has an impact on my desire to give my whole heart to it. Now, secondly, ministry is by grace in that we need grace to believe. Verse 2 he has just said, don't receive the grace of God in vain, for, and he quotes the Old Testament, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. 
Behold, now is the day of salvation. Boy, there are really important things there. I think there are at least two thoughts in this. One is for those who are already followers of Christ. And it's related to John chapter 4, where Jesus says, Lift up your heads and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. God has given us the opportunity to be his ambassadors, to take the message of the gospel, to share it with our friends, so that they might come to faith in Christ. Evangelism won't happen in eternity. Evangelism won't happen in heaven, because everybody in heaven will be a follower of Jesus Christ. We only have now, while we're here, to evangelize. We only have now to reach our friends and our neighbors and our family. And there's something about that verse, that now in that verse, that compels me to think about the people that I'm praying over, to think, man, I've got to find opportunities to use this relationship, to leverage my relationship for opportunities to talk about the gospel. But I think Paul also knew that just as today, not everyone in the church at Corinth was a genuine believer in Jesus. Not everybody who showed up there was actually a follower of Christ. It was actually more likely that they were in the New Testament church than even today because there were very little, very few cultural Christians, as I would call them, people who were just, they went to church because it's what they did. They went to church because it was part of their their lifestyle and their culture, but they had never really come to grips with the gospel. In the New Testament, that was less likely because persecution made people not want to just say, oh yeah, I'm I'm in church because that could get you in a lot of trouble. But in our day, I think it's more and more uh, common. People come to church just because they come to church. Now I think, as does Pastor Sean, I've heard him talk about it, that persecution is coming in America. I don't know when, I don't know how soon, I'm not praying for it, but Uh, I think it's coming. And I think there will come a day when uh, people who claim to be Christians who aren't wholehearted in their commitment to Christ, who don't genuinely follow after Jesus, they've never had a a faith experience with Christ, they're going to say, you know what, I'm going to end up with more trouble than not. Uh, And uh, so... As an unbeliever, I can tell you this, if you're here and you're in that category, there will come a time in the plan of God when there is no more invitation, when there is no more repent and believe the gospel. There will come a time in the plan of God when God will no longer say, repent and believe and I'll take you home to heaven. The time will be up. It'll either be because you've died or because the end of all things has come and we're all in eternity worshiping and serving Christ together in heaven and you don't have another chance. If you've never trusted in Christ, if you've never believed in the gospel that you're a sinner, that Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins and he was buried and on the third day he came, literally came back to life again, and that you've trusted in that finished work as your uh, benefit, as for your benefit, so that you could be right with God. If that's never happened to you, Please come see me. I've got people I will have you talk to here. We will show you how you can know that's true because now is the favorable time. Don't wait around. Don't, don't say, oh, I'll, I'll get to it. You may not get to it. We all know plenty of stories. I'm not going to be all emotional and dramatic about it, but we all know plenty of stories of people who thought they'd get to something 
and then something happened and they never got to it. Don't let that happen. So ministry is by grace. Secondly, ministry requires grace. This is among the most discouraging things that Paul writes, so cheer up, okay? Here we go. Paul wants nothing to slow down. Look at verse 3. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. Paul was always concerned that there not be anything that hinder his ministry. He didn't care what people thought of him. In fact, we're, we're going to see a little bit of that in these next few verses. But what he did not want to happen was for the ministry that God had given to him be hindered by as in the case of Corinth, these people coming in from outside saying, why are you listening to Paul? He's this, he's that, he's not very well educated. We'll see some of the things they said. He didn't want that kind of stuff to hinder the ministry from continuing. But there are three distinct areas in which he says, and he begins with a word that I love. Verse 4, but as servants of Christ or servants of God... We commend ourselves in every way by great endurance. I think that's a key word in here. Endurance means to remain under something. Endurance means I can stay there, not just grin and bear it, not just tough it out, not just, oh man, this is awful and I hate it, but oh well, I'm here. Not, a, not just stoically facing trouble, but bearing up under these various things with a sense of anticipation with what God is going to do. The first of them are circumstantial. Verse 4, by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. There's all sorts of stuff, but the first three Affliction, hardship, calamity, those are circumstantial things. There are circumstances that will fight us. They'll fight against us. It'll just, it'll be hard. Maybe loss of a job, maybe loss of a loved one, maybe whatever the circumstances that has the possibility of hindering you in your ministry, getting you, getting you bogged down, getting you stopped in your forward progress in ministry. There are circumstances that will cause that to happen. There are things that will be inflicted from other people. In his case, it was beatings and imprisonments and riots. Paul faced all of those things. We can find record of them in the, in the book of Acts as we uh, follow his uh, travels and in some of his other letters. But there are always things that other people will do. They will say something, or they will disappoint you, or they will say they would do something, and then they won't do something, or they will say they will do it, and then they'll change their mind, and they don't want to do it anymore, or they will say hurtful things, or there are always things that we're going to face from other people. I heard a guy say many years ago when I was early in ministry, and I, I wasn't sure I liked it, but I have found it to be true, ministry would be amazing if it weren't for people. <laughs> but of course, ministry is people. And it's about people. And when we can get ourselves out of the way and learn that endurance includes the fact that there are going to be things that will happen because of other people, we can, I want, uh, we can get our undies in a bunch and get, I didn't, sorry, <laughs> that's just <laughs> what came to my mind, <laughs> and get all frustrated and get a, get a rotten attitude about it, or we can endure. We can remain under. We can remain in what God has called us to do, and we can continue to do it without getting all bent out of shape. It, 
We live in a culture where everybody gets quickly angry and, and irritated and offended at almost everything, right? Let's not be those people. Let's endure in spite of the fact that there are going to be difficulties inflicted by other people. We're all sinners, right? It, it's, like, it's like getting married. People get married sometimes with the idea, oh, we're going to get married. This is going to be amazing. And I feel like a really horrible counselor because in premarital counseling, my counsel is basically, it's not always going to be. <laughs> Don't plan on that because you're going to get disappointed because right now all you can see is all this really amazing stuff about each other. And like a year from now, you're going to be like, what in the world? Who is this person, right? Because we, we grow in our love. We grow in our understanding of each other. And we realize, hey, listen, we're two sinners here. We are a bunch of sinners. We multiply that by 150 or so, 200, and now we've got a church full of people that are all sinners, and we irritate each other, and we say things we shouldn't, and we don't do things that we said we would do, and there is infliction, if you will, from other people. And some of it, for Paul, is self-inflicted. Labors, sleepless nights, hunger... Sometimes he skipped a meal because he was serving Christ. Sometimes he didn't sleep well. I've had nights like that. I've had, ask my wife. She'll be here at the next service. She's, I've had nights where I'm just up because I can't sleep because there's something on my mind and I'm mulling it over. There are those things that happen. But some of that is self-inflicted, right? I mean, if I'm not sleeping, I'm not giving over to the Lord whatever it is that I'm trying to figure out at 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> uh, there, is, there is something about that that's self-inflicted but he wants to serve with endurance secondly he wants to serve with integrity ministry requires grace because he wants to serve with integrity beginning down in verse 6 he lists these now another nine things by purity Knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, truthful speech, and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. He wants to serve with integrity. Can I just run down and kind of give you these words and what some of them mean? Purity is just referring to everything, our thought life, our activities, our motivations. He wants his to be pure. He wants integrity so that nothing, back to verse 3, will become an obstacle in anyone's way. So I want to serve with integrity, knowledge of the truth, patience, particularly with people is what this word is focusing on. Kindness, which is just kindness. It's goodness when you act with goodness towards someone. The Holy Spirit, who is the one who power, empowers endurance. He wants the power of the Spirit of God. Genuine love. If I were to nerd out on you and give you the Greek word for genuine, it would sound very much like unhypocritical. Love that is not, I love you when I'm here, but when I'm not with you, I'm speaking ill of you. Love is not, yeah, I'm really committed to you when I'm here, but then I forget about you all week long, and oh yeah, I forgot that I said I'd pray for you, Right? They're a genuine love, sincere, not hypocritical love. Truthful speech. We tell people the truth, right? When we love them. The power of God and weapons of righteousness. He will tell them, uh, as we get into 2 Corinthians chapter 10, the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. They are mighty through God to the tearing down of strongholds. 
He wants his ministry to be one of integrity, and that will require the grace of God. And he wants to serve with consistency. There appear to have been two schools of thought as it relates to Paul, and he documents them here in verses 8 through 10. So I'm going to read down through them because he has these contrasts. Some people think this, some people think this, and then I want to think about them for a second. Through honor, so he's continuing to endure, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we're treated as imposters and yet as true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold, we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. (laughs) That's two distinct schools of thought. One group, the ones that had been in Corinth bad-mouthing Paul in his ministry, thought him to be dishonored, worthy of slander, an imposter, unknown, at least by anyone important, as dying, as always in trouble, as sorrowful, and as poor. He hasn't got any money. he He hasn't got anything to offer to you. So there was this whole negative critical viewpoint of Paul. And then there were others who honored him and who praised him and who saw him as a truth teller, who thought he was well known. Certainly everybody in the churches that he planted, the people that he wrote these letters to, he was well known to them as one who had a joyful spirit, one who had enriched the lives of others. And one who had all he needed. He had said bad. He had said, I'm, I'm, I'm content in whatever state I'm in. If I got a lot, if I got a little, I'm good. He had all he needed. There will always be varying opinions of you. One of the things that's, that's at least interesting, I think a little bit fun, at Coastal is the fact that there is no one pastor who does all the teaching at all at Coastal. There hasn't been, but even at any one campus. And I, I think it's fun that people like to listen to different pastors. We have different opinions. We connect with different people in different ways. People are going to connect with you as you serve, and other people are not. And some people are going to think, I don't really even like this person. And somebody else is going to say, I don't get it. How can you not like that person? I don't see anything that's not likable. There will always be varying opinions. And please, I've been seeing this thing on Facebook every once in a while that says, if somebody else speaks evil of you, don't worry. It's not about you. The problem is with them. Well, the problem might be with you. So don't, I mean, what they're saying might be true. You might be really obnoxious. So don't, you know, don't always assume that, Oh, it's everybody else's problem. But at the same time, what Paul was concerned about, he wanted to serve with consistency. Whether people loved him and thought he was the best thing since paper napkins or whether people thought he was just this awful guy who was out to deceive the church, his goal was to serve with consistency. That would require the grace of God because when you are dealing with people who aren't super happy about you and and how you function, it's hard to be consistent. He was misunderstood. But regardless of all the variations in opinion, 
It was his example that he suffered. He endured all for the sake of Christ. You will face the same if you make the things of God and service for Christ your central focus, but it is good to endure. Ministry requires grace. If it was easy, everybody would want to do it, right? It's not always easy. Thirdly, ministry extends grace. I love these few verses at the end of Second Corinthians, or in the, the end of our passage here in 2 Corinthians 6, verses 11 through 13. Because ministry also extends grace. Sometimes that's the hardest part. To extend grace to other people when they have not been gracious. Verse 11, we have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. There are very few times in the New Testament that Paul refers to a group of people like that. It's like he's saying, guys, you Corinthians, guys, you got to listen. We have spoken very freely to you. Our heart is wide open. You're not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak as to children, widen your hearts also. Not I speak as to children as in he's treating them like they're little children. It's just these people, many of them were led to Christ by Paul. I mean, these are, these are people that he has invested in spiritually and are spiritually his children. He loved them, verse 11. There's a real personal sense of appeal. He spoke the truth to them, and his heart was wide open. He was vulnerable. He was candid. He was honest with them. And you and I both know that when you're candid and honest and vulnerable with somebody, at some point in time, it's going to hurt, right? He loved them. He extends grace to them and says, I'm just asking for you to love me in return. They had held back on their relationship with him, being dissuaded by the charges brought by these super apostles. He asked them to love him as he had loved them, sacrificially, consistently, and permanently. Which, when it comes down to it, is exactly what Jesus, or what we're told in the New Testament, right? People will know we are Christians, how? By our love, by the way we love each other. That's what Paul's asking of them. So, your few thoughts there to take home. You get to serve with God. I know some weeks, I know some of you wake up some Sundays and you're like, oh man, I don't want to do kids ministry today, or I don't want to stand around and smile at everybody on their way in, or I don't want to, whatever it is that your ministry is, I'm, I don't, I'm not in the mood to stand up here and try and get people to sing, you know, whatever. Some weeks, I know, I get it. I, I should say I assume that's true because there are some weeks I'm like, I don't want to preach today. Just every once in a while, not very often because I love preaching, but don't, don't get the wrong impression here. But I know that there are some times that we do what we do because we have agreed to do it. Knowing I get to serve with God helps that, Right? I'm not just going to fill my slot. I'm not just going to do my duty. I'm going to serve with God today. I'm going back to my job. And I know I'm going to run into that guy or that gal that I work with. And I know we're, you know, if I bring up spiritual things, man, it's just going to get tense. 
but they're asking me questions that I got to give honest answers to. And, you know, it's just, I was talking with someone recently that a friend of theirs, somebody out of the area, but uh, I'm, I'm not sure what to do. These are friends of mine. And this gal came to us and said she cheated on her husband, but she doesn't want to hear anything about spiritual things in her marriage. He said, I don't know what else to give her. I said, there isn't anything else to give her. That's what she needs to hear. It's, it's a hard thing. But we get to serve with God in those things. An eternal perspective enables you to endure, recognizing that we're not just doing this to fill time. We're doing this as an opportunity to impact people with the goal of seeing them come to faith in Christ, grow in their relationship with him, and impact other people for Christ and that will make a difference for eternity. That enables me to endure. And the last challenge, love people wholeheartedly. Love hurts, people say. I don't, I don't think it's love that hurts. I think it's all the stuff that happens when you love people. The other things are the things that hurt. But love means I stay committed. Love means I stay in it. Love means if it gets hard, I'm still there. I mean, how much, how much would this impact our marriages if we were willing to say, love means I'm in this and I'm committed to this and I am not giving up on this. That's what love means. It means I put somebody else ahead of me. If we apply that to the broader church and we love people wholeheartedly, we should never have to hear somebody saying, man, I've loved you. Please love me in return. I mean, those words are dripping with sadness to me on the part of Paul. He has loved these people and he's saying, please, I've opened my heart to you. Don't, don't think I'm trying to hide something. I love you deeply. It's a good thing, right? It's a good thing to serve together. It's a good thing to serve Christ together. It's a great thing to have the opportunity to live for God, to honor him, to serve him. But it all requires the grace of God. It's by grace. It requires grace. And it causes us to extend grace to other people. Uh, man, I'm glad. Sometimes ministry is just ministry. But the fruit of ministry always goes to the glory of God. And uh, so it helps us to endure, right? Our team's going to come back and we're going to sing and, uh, as we leave. So I just want to say, if you're here and you perhaps are among the few that might be in this place this morning that have never... Yeah, come on, guys, you can all come back. And why don't you stand then? So that'll help. They won't feel awkward walking up in front of a whole bunch of people. Come on, let's stand. Uh, I want to talk to you afterwards, okay, or get you connected to somebody who can talk with you. We would love to make sure you leave here rightly related to God through Jesus Christ, and uh, please don't leave without having that happen, okay? Let's pray. Father,